Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible. Exodus 9. In this chapter we have an account of three more of the plagues of Egypt. 1. Mourn among the cattle, which was fatal to them, verses 1-7. 2. Boils upon man and beast, verses 8-12. 3. Hail, with thunder and lightning. 1. Warning is given of this plague, verses 13-21. 2. It is inflicted, to their great terror, verses 22-26. 3. Pharaoh, in a fright, renews his treaty with Moses, but instantly breaks his word, verse 27, etc. The Plagues of Egypt, 1491 B.C. 1 Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go and unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. 2 For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, 3 Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon the cattle which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the ox, oxen, and upon the sheep, there shall be a very grievous murrain. For and the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children's of Israel. 5 And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. 6 And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. 7 And Pharaoh sent, and, behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Here is, 1. Warning given of another plague, namely, the murrain of beasts. When Pharaoh's heart was hardened, after he had seemed to relent under the former plague, then Moses is sent to tell him there is another coming, to try what that would do towards reviving the impressions of the former plagues. Thus is the wrath of God revealed from heaven, both in his word and in his works, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. 1. Moses puts Pharaoh in a very fair way to prevent it, let my people go, verse 1. This was still the demand. God will have Israel released, Pharaoh opposes it, and the trial is, whose word shall stand. See how jealous God is for his people. When the year of his redeemed has come, he will give Egypt for their ransom, that kingdom shall be ruined, rather than Israel shall not be delivered. See how reasonable God's demands are. Whatever he calls for, it is but his own, they are my people, therefore let them go. 2. He describes the plague that should come, if he refused, verses 2 and 3. The hand of the Lord immediately, without the stretching out of Aaron's hand, is upon the cattle, many of which, some of all kinds, should die by a sort of pestilence. This was greatly to the loss of the owners, they had made Israel poor, and now God would make them poor. Note, the hand of God is to be acknowledged even in the sickness and death of cattle, or other damage sustained in them, for a sparrow falls not to the ground without our Father. 3. As an evidence of the special hand of God in it, and of his particular favor to his own people, he foretells that none of their cattle should die, though they breathed in the same air and drank, drank of the same water with the Egyptians' cattle. The Lord shall sever, verse 4. Note, when God's judgments are abroad, though they may fall both on the righteous and the wicked, yet God makes such a distinction that they are not the same to the one that they are to the other. See Isaiah 27 verse 7. The providence of God is to be acknowledged with thankfulness in the life of the cattle, 
for he preserveth man and beast, Psalm 36 verse 6. 4. To make the warning the more remarkable, the time is fixed, v. 5 tomorrow it shall be done. We know not what any day will bring forth, and therefore we cannot say what we will do tomorrow, but it is not so with God. 2. The plague itself inflicted. The cattle died, verse 6. Note, the creature is made subject to vanity by the sin of man, being liable, according to its capacity, both to serve his wickedness and to share in his punishment, as in the universal deluge. Romans 8 verses 20 and 22. Pharaoh and the Egyptians sinned, but the sheep, what had they done? Yet they are plagued. See Jeremiah 12 verse 4, for the wickedness of the land, the beasts are consumed. The Egyptians afterwards, and, some think, now, worship their cattle, it was among them that the Israelites learned to make a god of a calf, in this therefore the plague here spoken of meets with them. Note, what we make an idol of it is just with God to remove from us, or embitter to us. See Isaiah 19 verse 1. 3. The distinction put between the cattle of the Egyptians, and the Israelites' cattle, according to the word of God, not one of the cattle of the Israelites died, verses 6 and 7. Does God take care of oxen? Yes, he does, his providence extends itself to the meanest of his creatures. But it is written also for our sakes, that, trusting in God and making him our refuge, we may not be afraid of the pestilence that walketh in darkness, no, not though thousands fall at our side, Psalm 91 verses 6 and 7. Pharaoh sent to see if the cattle of the Israelites were infected, not to satisfy his conscience, but only to gratify his curiosity, or with design, by way of reprisal, to repair his own losses out of their stocks, and having no good design in the inquiry, the report brought to him made no impression upon him, but, on the contrary, his heart was hardened. Note, to those that are willfully blind, even those methods of conviction which are ordained to life prove a savor of death unto death. 8 And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. 9 And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man, and upon beast, throughout all the land of Egypt. 10 And they took ashes of the furnace, and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man, and upon beast. 11 And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians, and upon all the Egyptians. 12 And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Observe here, concerning the plague of boils and blains. 1. When they were not wrought upon by the death of their cattle, God sent a plague that seized their own bodies, and touched them to the quick. If less judgments do not do their work, God will send greater. Let us therefore humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and go forth to meet him in the way of his judgments, that his anger may be turned away from us. 2. The signal by which this plague was summoned was the sprinkling of warm ashes from the furnace, towards heaven, verses 8 and 10, which was to signify the heating of the air with such an infection as should produce in the bodies of the Egyptian sore boils, which would be both noisome and painful. Immediately upon the scattering of the ashes, a scalding dew came down out of the air, which blistered wherever it fell. Note, sometimes God shows men their sin and their punishment, they had oppressed Israel in the furnaces, and now the ashes of the furnace are made as much a terror to them as ever their taskmasters had been to the Israelites.
3. The plague itself was very grievous a common eruption would be so, especially to the nice and delicate, but these eruptions were inflammations, like jobs. This is afterwards called the botch of Egypt, Deuteronomy 28 verse 27, as if it were some new disease, never heard of before, and known ever after by that name, note, sores in the body, are to be looked upon as the punishments of sin, and to be hearkened to as calls to repentance. For the magicians themselves were struck with these boils, verse 11. 1. Thus they were punished, 1. For helping to harden Pharaoh's heart, as Elimas for seeking to pervert the right ways of the Lord, God will severely reckon with those that strengthen the hands of the wicked in their wickedness. 2. For pretending to imitate the former plagues, and making themselves and Pharaoh sport with them. Those that would produce lice shall, against their wills, produce boils. Note, it is ill jesting with God's judgments, and more dangerous than playing with fire. Be you not mockers, lest your bands be made strong. 2. Thus they were shamed in the presence of their admirers. How weak were their enchantments, which could not so much as secure themselves. The devil can give no protection to those that are in confederacy with him. 3. Thus they were driven from the field. Their power was restrained before, chapter 8 verse 18, but they continued to confront Moses, and confirm Pharaoh in his unbelief, till now, at length, they were forced to retreat, and could not stand before Moses, to which the apostle refers, 2 Timothy 3 verse 9, when he says that their folly was made manifest unto all men. 5. Pharaoh continued obstinate, for now the Lord hardened his heart, verse 12. Before, he had hardened his own heart, and resisted the grace of God, and now God justly gave him up to his own heart's lusts, to a reprobate mind, and strong delusions, permitting Satan to blind and harden him, and ordering everything, henceforward, so as to make him more and more obstinate. Note, willful hardness is commonly punished with judicial hardness. If men shut their eyes against the light, it is just with God to close their eyes. Let us dread this as the sorest judgment a man can be under on this side hell. 13 And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. 14 For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. 15 For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. 16 And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. 17 As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go? 18 Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, thereof even until now. 19 Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. 20 He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. 21 And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Here is, 1. A general declaration of the wrath of God against Pharaoh for his obstinacy. Though God has hardened his heart, verse 12, yet Moses must repeat his applications to him, God suspends his grace, and yet demands obedience, 
to punish him for requiring bricks of the children of Israel when he denied them straw. God would likewise show forth a pattern of long-suffering, and how he waits to be gracious to a rebellious and gainsaying people six times the demand had been made in vain, yet Moses must make it the seventh time, let my people go, verse 13. A most dreadful message Moses is here ordered to deliver to him, whether he will hear or whether he will forbear. 1. He must tell him that he is marked for ruin, that he now stands as the butt at which God would shoot all the arrows of his wrath, verses 14 and 15. Now I will send all my plagues. Now that no place is found for repentance in Pharaoh, nothing can prevent his utter destruction, for that only would have prevented it. Now that God begins to harden his heart, his case is desperate. I will send my plagues upon thy heart, not only temporal plagues upon thy body, but spiritual plagues upon thy soul. Note, God can send plagues upon thy soul. Note, God can send plagues upon the heart, either by making it senseless, or by making it hopeless, and these are the worst plagues. Pharaoh must now expect no respite, no cessation of arms, but to be followed with plague upon plague, till he is utterly consumed. Note, when God judges he will overcome, none ever hardened his heart against him and prospered. 2. He must tell him that he is to remain in history a standing monument of the justice and power of God's wrath, verse 16 For this cause have I raised thee up to the throne at this time, and made thee to stand the shock of the plagues hitherto, to show in thee my power. Providence ordered it so that Moses should have a man of such a fierce and stubborn spirit as he was to deal with, and everything was so managed in this transaction as to make it a most signal and memorable instance of the power God has to humble and bring down the proudest of his enemies. Everything concurred to signalize this, that God's name, that is, his incontestable sovereignty, his irresistible power, and his inflexible justice, might be declared throughout all the earth, not only to all places, but through all ages while the earth remains. Note, God sometimes raises up very bad men to honor and power, spares them long, and suffers them to grow insufferably insolent, that he may be so much the more glorified in their destruction at last. See how the neighboring nations, at that time, improved the ruin of Pharaoh to the glory of God. Jethro said upon it, Now know I that the Lord is greater, greater than all gods, chapter 18 verse 11. The Apostle illustrates the doctrine of God's sovereignty with this instance, Romans 9 verse 17. To justify God in these resolutions, Moses is directed to ask him, verse 17, As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people? Pharaoh was a great king, God's people were poor shepherds at the best, and now poor slaves, and yet Pharaoh shall be ruined if he exalt himself against them, for it is considered as exalting himself against God. This was not the first time that God reproved kings for their sakes, and let them know that he would not suffer his people to be trampled upon and insulted, no, not by the most powerful of them. 2. A particular prediction of the plague of hail, verse 18, and a gracious advice to Pharaoh and his people to send for their servants and cattle out of the field, that they might be sheltered from the hail, verse 19. Note, when God's justice threatens ruin his mercy, at the same time, shows us a way of escape from it, so unwilling is he that any should perish. See here what care God took, not only to distinguish between Egyptians and Israelites, but between some Egyptians and others. If Pharaoh will not yield, and so prevent the judgment itself, yet an opportunity is given to those that have any dread of God and his word to save themselves from sharing in the judgment. Note, those that will take warning may take shelter, 
and those that will not may thank themselves if they fall by the overflowing scourge, and the hail which will sweep away the refuge of lies, Isaiah 28 verse 17. See the different effect of this warning. 1. Some believed the things that were spoken, and they feared, and housed their servants and cattle, verse 20, like Noah, Hebrews 11 verse 7, and it was their wisdom. Even among the servants of Pharaoh there were some that trembled at God's word, and shall not the sons of Israel dread it? But 2. Others believed not, though, whatever plague Moses had hitherto foretold, the event exactly answered to the predict prediction, and though, if they had had any reason to question this, it would have been no great damage to them to have kept their cattle in the house for one day, and so, supposing it a doubtful case, to have chosen the surer side, yet they were so foolhardy as in defiance to the truth of Moses, and the power of God, of both which they had already had experience enough, to their cost. To leave their cattle in the field, Pharaoh himself, it is probable, giving them an example of the presumption, verse 21. Note, obstinate infidelity, which is deaf to the fairest warnings, and the wisest counsels, leaves the blood of those that perish upon their own heads. 22 And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man, and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. 23 And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. 24 So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. 25 And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. 26 Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. 27 And Pharaoh sent, and called for Moses and Aaron, and said unto them, I have sinned this time, the Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. 28 Entreat the Lord, for it is enough, that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. 29 And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. 30 But as for thee and thy servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. 31 And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was bald. 32 But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. 33 And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord, and the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. 34 And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. 35 And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. The threatened plague of hail is here summoned by the powerful hand and rod of Moses, verses 22 and 23, and it obeys the summons, or rather the divine command, for fire and hail fulfill God's word, Psalm 148 verse 8. And here we are told. 1. What desolations it made upon the earth. The thunder and fire from heaven or lightning made it both the more dreadful and the more destroying, verses 23 and 24. Note, God makes the clouds, not only his storehouses whence he drops fatness on his people, but his magazines whence, when he pleases, he can draw out a most formidable train of artillery, 
with which to destroy his enemies. He himself speaks of the treasures of hail, which he hath reserved against the day of battle and war, Job 38 verses 22 and 23. Woeful havoc this hail made in the land of Egypt. It killed both men and cattle, and battered down, not only the herbs, but the trees, verse 25. The corn that was above ground was destroyed, and that only preserved which as yet had not come up, verses 31 and 32. Note, God has many ways of taking away the corn in the season thereof, Hosea 2 verse 9, either by a secret blasting, or a noisy hail. In this plague the hot thunderbolts, as well as the hail, are said to destroy their flocks, Psalm, Psalm 78 verses 47 and 48, and see Psalm 105 verses 32 and 33. Perhaps David alludes to this when, describing God's glorious appearances for the discomfiture of his enemies, he speaks of the hailstones and coals of fire he threw among them, Psalm 18 verses 12 and 13. And there is a plan reference to it on the pouring out of the seventh vial, Revelation 16 verse 21. Notice is here taken, verse 26, of the land of Goshen's being preserved from receiving any damage by this plague. God has the directing of the pregnant clouds, and causes it to rain or hail on one city, and not on another, either in mercy or in judgment. 2. What a consternation it put Pharaoh in. See what effect it had upon him. 1. He humbled himself to Moses in the language of a penitent, verses 27 and 28. No man could have spoken better. He owns himself on the wrong side in his contest with the God of the Hebrews, I have sinned in standing it out so long. He owns the equity of God's proceedings against him, the Lord is righteous, and must be justified when he speaks, though he speak in thunder and lightning. He condemns himself and his land, I and my people are wicked and deserve what is brought upon us. He begs the prayers of Moses, entreat the Lord for me that this direful plague may be removed. And, lastly, he promises to yield up his prisoners, I will let you go. What could one desire more? And yet his heart was hardened all this while. Note, the terror of the rod often extorts penitent acknowledgments from those who have no penitent affections, under the surprise and smart of affliction, they start up, and say that which is pertinent enough, not because they are deeply affected, but because they know that they should be, and that it is meet to be said. 2. Moses, hereupon, becomes an intercessor for him with God. Though he had all the reason in the world to think that he would immediately repent of his repentance, and told him so, verse 30, yet he promises to be this friend in the court of heaven. Note, even those whom we have little hopes of, yet we should continue to pray for, and to admonish, 1 Samuel 12 verse 23. Observe, 1. The place Moses chose for his intercession. He went out of the city, verse 33, not only for privacy in his communion with God, but to show that he durst venture abroad into the field, notwithstanding the hail and lightning which kept Pharaoh and his servants within doors, knowing that every hailstone had its direction from his God, who meant him no hurt. Note, peace with God makes men thunderproof, for thunder is the voice of their father. 2. The gesture, he spread abroad his hands unto the Lord an outward expression of earnest desire and humble expectation. Those that come to God for mercy must stand ready to receive it. 3. The end Moses aimed at in interceding for him, that thou mayest know, and be convinced, that the earth is the Lord's, verse 29, that is, that God has a sovereign dominion over all the creatures, that they all are ruled by him, and therefore that thou oughtest to be so. 
See what various methods God uses to bring men to their proper senses. Judgments are sent, judgments removed, and all for the same end, to make men know that He Lord reigns. 4. The success of it. 1. He prevailed with God, verse 33. But 2. He could not prevail with Pharaoh, he sinned yet, yet more, and hardened his heart, verses 34 and 35. The prayer of Moses opened and shut heaven, like Elias's, James 5 verses 17 and 18, and such is the power of God's two witnesses, Revelation 11 verse 6, yet neither Moses nor Elias, nor those two witnesses, could subdue the hard hearts of men. Pharaoh was frightened into a compliance by the judgment, but, when it was over, his convictions vanished, and his fair promises were forgotten. Note, little credit is to be given to confessions upon the rack. Note also, those that are not bettered by judgments and mercies are commonly made worse.